0: All right. We're talking about communication, switching gears here. We talked last episode about body language and the importance of the nonverbal side of communication, which I always start with. And then I go into my <clears throat> seven uh, disarming communication tactics or techniques. And when you put all seven together, they form the mnemonic. The mnemonic is Schwinf kind of like the bike Schwinn, S-C-H-W-I-N-N, except no double N. Instead, I threw an F on the end and I'll explain what the F stands for in just a moment, but um, this is the best I could do with the letters I needed <laughs> to cover these seven strategies. So we're gonna loosely, briefly go through them. If you really wanna learn these, the best next step is to pop over to our courses page. I developed an entire course with support and coaching uh, around how to implement these, how to integrate them, how to use them, examples of them to really make them like your own language, to make them a part of your everyday communication, not only with your kids, but these work with adults too. So they work with coworkers, they work with family, they work with significant others. Okay. So I don't know that we are fully aware as adults how we speak to kids and I think in western world we just assume that kids need to and will respect us and we are the authority and often that thought comes with lots of talking and longer lectures and we lose kids attention and and even lose some of their respect so in using some of these things it gives kids back a sense of control because we are so demanding, we do this, don't do that, stop. To, you know give some authority back to your kids and by doing so and showing them respect and communicating with them almost like you're communicating with an adult, you are building respect and earning respect back and building stronger bonds and relationships. Does't mean give up all your power and control, but I don't know that we need to hold all of that either. In fact, I believe that we don't. So great communication with kids, with children. It's what results in stronger relationships, greater, greater cooperation. Kids have these feelings where they are feeling valued. They feel like they have the self-worth, self-esteem even, and they just learn how to better communicate. So think about how frequently, how often you're just dishing out instructions and really Think about how you can shift and change your communication to be that of more like an even playing field. Like you're just talking to another person and really giving them the respect that we want from them because respect begets respect. So, um, and as I just said, good, solid, respectful communication with our kids forms the foundation for how they will communicate as adults and with adults and with each other these aren't necessarily skills that we're born with. They are developed mostly through our environment. And yes, there's like some language that is biological, but we know that personality development and uh, language development and relationship development, a lot of that is based on um, your your environment and the more nature side of, of biology. So, what I'm going to do is I am going to introduce you to the first of the seven communication tactics. And the first one, the S, is the C strategy. So S-E-E. So your script that you will use for this is just I see, da, da, da. So how you use this is instead of telling a child what to do, you could say, clean up this, do this, put this away. Instead, you will say I see, whatever. So let me give you an example here. I see a plate that belongs in the sink or in the dishwasher. You could tell the child, take away all their power, all their authority and say, you need to put your plate in the dishwasher or go put your plate in the dishwasher. Or you could say, I see a plate that belongs in the dishwasher. And the reason that this is so much more effective is because it sets up a problem for the child to solve. It doesn't say, go do it, do it now. It says, oh, I see this problem. How would you like to solve it without having to use all of that language? Biggest thing with this and where I see people fail with it is when you're setting up that problem to solve instead of telling them what to do, they have to hear the language, they have to process it, determine the problem, solve the problem and implement the solution. So the, the failure will come in where parents or teachers or anyone will say, oh, they didn't they didn't respond, they didn't do anything. And I said, well, how much wait time did you give them? Because they need enough time to go through all those steps. So frequently we are ones that live in an instant gratification society. We want results now, we want immediate fixes. So we don't wait long enough to really let kids solve the problem. Build their competency, build their problem solving skills, pause, give them a second or many, many, many seconds and be kind and give them grace. Wait. The French have something called the pause. So when they offer a direction or whatever, they, they don't just respond and react right away when the kid doesn't listen or, or do what they asked. They pause, they wait for the response and they are not uncomfortable with that unfilled time or air. So pause, get comfortable with the pause. And then if they don't respond, then you might need to follow up with something else and that's fine, but at least give them a chance to solve that problem. Okay. <clears throat> so that's an example. Um, you could also say, um, I see a child that's not in a bed. I see teeth that aren't brushed. I see milk that's spilled on the floor. So There's so many ways to do this. It is hard though, because when we are talking about changing our communication, these things are foreign t- It's almost like learning a new language. It's, um feels unnatural, we can't remember it very well, we often forget and we need reminders, we need practice. So put reminders around your house or your classroom, like a sticky note reminding you to use the strategy. The more you use it, the more habitual it will become, the more natural and the more the child will get used to it as well. You are learning a new language, so give yourself grace. When you screw up and you default back to your old patterns, it's okay, <laughs> just keep trying. And I'm going to stop there. Okay, so that's the first strategy. I see it's the S in the Schwimp mnemonic. We'll continue in the next couple of weeks to go into the, the six other strategies. I encourage you to try this, try it multiple times, try it every day, and then report back to me. And let me know how'd it go or how didn't it go? Where do you need support around implementing this type of strategy? Because it's so effective. <laughs> Makes kids happy too, to have some power and some control especially in a world that feels so chaotic and out of control right now. (laughs) All right. Today's listener question, how do we help children cope with underlying stress? Every child right now is dealing with some type of stress, even if it's not a chronic stressor or like a traumatic stressor, there are micro stressors that kids face every single day. So the first of which is recognizing that there is stress, like kids need to recognize their bodies are in a stressed out state. What are the physical signs of that? Once they can recognize that, and sometimes just talking about it openly isn't enough. I often give them a visual. There's a color coded chart that I use. If you want more information about that, send me an email. Anything on the website will come to me. Um, I also have blog posts about this and I talk about it in earlier podcasts as well. But this color coded chart for defining like kind of where your energy or your emotional state is. Then when you recognize that you're not neutral, then you got to do something to get back to neutral. So the first step is recognizing there's underlying stress. The second step is what do we do to to neutralize? What do we do to come out of that state? And that's where we practice and teach and model the different strategies that we can use to come out of a stressed out state. So think opposites. If you're really stressed out and you're really tense and you're really tight where they are, how do we loosen? How do we soften? Walks um, breaks away from fast moving things like technology screens. Um, there's a really wonderful tactic called progressive muscle relaxation. I talk about this on the show. I talk about this in our blog posts. It is a way to reduce tension in the body. So teach them things when they're calm to use, to get back to neutral when they recognize they're in a stressed out state. It's always an education and you can, even do this just by modeling it yourself, just by <laughs> stating your own state and saying out loud what you do to de-stress. So that's the more reactionary part of things. You also want to work on things preventatively to prevent the stress because you might not be able to remove the stress. So what are things that you could do in advance to keep stress levels at bay? Nature, nature walks, nature exposure, time in nature, really great way to be preventative. Exercise, movement, hydration the right um, foods that keep your body in a more balanced state. So high quality fats, pure oils, um, avocado, eggs, uh, clean proteins, vegetables, and fruits without chemicals in them. Those are all going to help with stress reduction as well. Don't believe me, chime in to Dr. Mark Hyman's work and you will soon believe me (laughs) or Robin... Robin O'Brien is another great person that talks about the American food industry and its impacts on our bodies and brains. All right. To wrap up the show, try at home tip, drink half your body weight in ounces, kids and adults. We are not getting enough water a day. So helpful if you have a water bottle that kind of tracks the amount of ounces, or they have like these sun water bottles that tell you, you know, keep going or drink more. Here's where you should be at the middle of the day but just bringing awareness to, are you drinking enough water? And if not, drink more because keep your body hydrated, keeps your brain hydrated. You can think more clearly, you act more rationally and you're less emotional. (laughs) So an easy way to fix stress, overwhelm, anxiety, all those big heavy emotions. It's not going to be the the only thing that fixes them, but it will be a big part of helping to reduce uh, the reactions to that. So half your body weight in ounces a day. That's it for today's episode of Returning to Us podcast. Remember our try to home tip, which is drink half your body weight in ounces a day. And if you would like me to answer one of your questions on a future show, email me at podcast at thebehaviorhub.com or you can send me a text to 717-693-7744. And make sure you locked in what you learned by taking what I just talked about and go applying it right away, or go setting up an environmental reminder like a sticky note to remind yourself to do the thing, or even just comment below on how you're going to do it, or give me an example of how you're going to do it, and then subscribe to the future episodes, or at least come back here next week because we're going to keep talking about these communication techniques and they'll be really helpful for you and your life and uh, your kids. So until next episode, I'm Lauren Spiegelmeyer and thank you for joining me.